All right, you guys, everybody comfortable? Let's uh, let's let's take it from the top. Uh, oh, okay. Ju- Julie, you uh, you wait for for Mark's lead. All right. Um, <clears throat> Dee you stupid girl, get out of my laboratory. Uh, can I? Sorry. <laughs> um, That's okay. Is um, do I have to say like you stupid girl, like? She's my sister, right? Does it have to be, like, a sexist thing? Can it just be, like, oh, sisters are so annoying. Like, how do I want to play that? I, I, I think it's okay if you play it like that. Let, let's let's keep going, okay. and All right. maybe it'll and, make um, a little bit more sense. Okay. Like, and, this, and is, this is a very turbulent relationship, but this is brother and sister, so that makes sense to me. I don't know. Maybe okay. I'm projecting. No, no, no. No, you're absolutely... I mean, you're more experienced at this. Um, <laughs> a little, little nervous Fire. about it. Um that's and okay. and when it's when it says out laboratory, am I supposed to read that like with the hyphens? I was wondering that about about that as well. It's is it feels like I'm reading it out of a dictionary. Yeah, her lines are like button. I think it's actually going to come together if we if we do it a, a few times. They told us that these characters actually did have pretty weird accents, so let's keep okay, an I'm, open mind. <clears throat> okay, all man. right. Let me give it. Let me give it another shot. <clears throat> Dee Dee, you stupid girl, get out of my laboratory. Gosh, Dexter, I never realized you were such a shut. Maybe you should wait, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm sorry. I I have to cut that. I have to cut as for a second as well. That's all right. So I was wondering. I'm I'm not sure what exactly whinnying noises means. Like like a horse or. Oh no! You just. It's more of a. You know, gigglish delight. Yeah, but it just seems to go on for pages. Is this really... <laughs> I, I don't understand how... What percentage of my line seems to be this? Yeah, and uh, my, my character doesn't feel... Like, I know I'm the title character, but shouldn't I have a little more pathos? I, I'm, I'm pretty much a jerk. I'm, I'm also wondering about these stage notes. How much taller am I than Dexter? It... It says I'm looking basically at my feet when I'm talking to him. Am I supposed to be wearing a lab coat and gloves the whole time? Because I'm doing some pretty minute adjustments. Yeah, you know, this is off to such a weird start. I don't even know how the monkey is going to fit into this. it all doesn't work for me i can just do the audiobook thing by myself that is also <laughs> okay fun. okay let's let's move on <laughs> yeah that, that was a little i mean oh, oh good, you, you good don't know this on your you part. don't know this now but um in the invader zim episode that i just edited um you say like yeah the intros don't worry too much about them we done 70 and they're like 30 percent good that's about <laughs> right <laughs> I mean, they can't all be the Smurfs intro, okay? No. Most of them shouldn't be the Smurfs intro. <laughs> this one's about to be. Oh, God. All right. All right let's, um, let's start this off. Start yeah. this off and right. If, yeah. Okay. Off uh, right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Enter stage My name left. is Ben. And my name is Zane. And this is the Carton Cast. We review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And today, my carton cast, my beautiful carton cast. 
<laughs> All right. And today we are talking about Dexter's Lab. Not yes. Laboratory. The show is actually called Dexter's Lab? Wait, no, the sh- is it the called Dexter's is- Laboratory? No, no one it's called Dexter's Laboratory. It. No one refers... Technically, it's Dexter's Laboratory. Um, sure, <laughs> I guess. Which is probably the least weird thing about it. Um, right, but they so, never refer to it as a laboratory, so I just... For some reason, I thought that the show was actually called Dexter's Lab. No, I think everybody does. <laughs> it's fine. It's um, fine. Anyway, Dexter's Lab, the show, uh, mm-hmm. ran on... Ran on Cartoon Network from 1996 to 1998, and from 2001 to 2003. It had a it had a movie after two seasons, which was supposed to conclude the series, but then they brought it back under new direction. So we're mostly going to focus on the first couple of couple of seasons. Yeah. So um, when it was created by Gendy Tartakovsky, whom uh, we remember we 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 talked about him in a different part, uh, work of his uh, samurai jack which is very different from this but also holds a lot of common dna um it when he stopped working on it to go work on samurai jack uh dexter's lab got revived in 2001 under chris savino after he left um and it was dealt by an entirely different production team which made it a lot less good <laughs> i guess right. it, it was a lot it's less not, magical i don't know i, I, don't, I remember very little of it I, I went and actually watched like an episode of it and i was like maybe you know it was rose colored glasses maybe i was just green that green with envy that this thing uh that this thing that i loved so much had changed so drastically no it's actually very bad um i don't it's weird it's one of those weird moments where like i know that it's bad but i can't like quantify how it's bad there's a few tonal shifts. It's there a lot are, of and there's things, a lot of animation. It's a lot. It is that's that's a good way to put it. It's a lot of little things adding up to something that's a lot less polished and special to me. Um, mm. But so th- so we're going to mainly focus, well, entirely focus on the Dexter's Lab, the first two seasons, which and were that's actually a little that's a little Andy. misleading because each season had thirteen episodes except for the second season, which had thirty nine. So really, yes. it's the first four seasons. <laughs> I, either way, um, but yeah, a, as you said, this also had a t- uh, a movie called Ego Trip, which, which was I supposed watched. to round out the series. You did watch it. I I was curious, and then I wanted to watch a little more and a little more, and then before I knew it, it was gone. <laughs> I I have fond memories of Ego Trip. Um, I don't think it's as good as the actual tv show but the no. fact that he grows up to look like action hank is pretty pretty excellent i did watch the action hank episode and and the great thing about ego trip is that the whole plot behind it is that dexter he's not trying to do good he's just trying to be the best and see how cool he turns out to be like yes i mean ego trip's a very fitting name for it yeah um but uh yeah so this show um was in the great cartoon renaissance on Cartoon Network. There was, you know, Cow and Chicken. There was Ed and Eddie. There was all sorts of stuff that was really, really unique and, like, very, very successful. Yeah, like, well, it, it this was... This cartoon was popular. It kick-started those other shows. Like, this was the first one, and then those all followed it. And it was part of the wave of original programming that shifted Cartoon Network away from the classic Hanna-Barbera stuff. 
I, uh, uh, I recently watched a guy on YouTube who was talking about the downfall of Cartoon Network in the recent years um, hmm. when it's it's become more and more uh, centered on social media and pop culture jokes and things like that as opposed to strength through good writing and production and things like that. Um, I can't see where is he precisely let me let me see if i can find his names real quick but if you compare the first the first pass of dexter's lab and the second pass it delineates it pretty good yeah writing is definitely a strong point and just like the creativity and and range that they were able to go through in making this so um like you said it was made by gendy tartakovsky but it was also the starting point for another for for a number of other cartoonists like Craig McCracken, who did the Powerpuff Girls, Butch Hartman, who did Fairly Odd Parent, uh, Fairly Odd Parents, and Danny Phantom, and Seth MacFarlane, who did Family Guy. Uh, speaking of Butch started, Hartman, and they all started here. Yes. Um. The, the by the way, just so that uh, we don't forget, the guys who I was talking about, his name is Saber Spark, um, and his his rundown of kind of what's ruining Cartoon Network is is a. Uh, I thought was pretty good, and it culminated in talking about how much he hated Teen Titans Go, which was <laughs> very calming to my soul. You're right. In any case, uh, this enjoyed a huge amount of popularity, so much so when I was growing up that I could not, I could not believe how much of this show I remember. Yes. When I go back and watch it, every episode I rewatched, I remembered a surprising amount of weird details. Uh, uh, agree, agree. Like the sound effects, even. Like yeah. D- Dexter jumps, hits Dee Dee, starts sliding down her like it's somebody squeegeeing a window, and he slowly becomes more and more dejected with that it's happening. This has one of the best sound effects of any any show I've seen. The sound design is a huge strong point. Uh, going back to it, because, you know, I expected that we would be talking a lot of sugar about this. I mean, this is mm-hmm. Dexter's lab. Uh, right. So I was going back trying to look at what might have been weak. And it's really helpful doing that now because we have the point of reference of Samurai Jack. And what I realized was weak was the characters. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think that they're all that good. But I can't tell whether that's because of the show synopsis or the age group that those kids had to be. I just I wasn't compelled by their behavior with I think a couple because, notable exceptions. I think it's because the show's not about them. Right. Well the show is called is... Dexter's Lab. It's not called Dexter. Well, Zane, what is the show about? So the show the idea behind the show is it's a little boy genius named Dexter, and he has a secret laboratory. Uh, where he conducts all manner of mad science, which is interrupted by his careless and clueless sister, Dee Dee. Do you think that the the advent of mad science and the fact that we see it in so many different places in media, like there's a there's a mad boy scientist for every like two year age group, right? There's like Barry Ween and this guy. There's Tony Stark. It like it kind of Jimmy Neutron. The, the Jimmy DNA Neutrons. goes. The DNA goes back to. You know the B movies of the of the fifties and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm wondering remember... if it does actually have like a point of reference in things like Frankenstein, where science is showcased as intrinsically destructive. Uh huh. You know, I'm I'm wondering if that's the that's because that's a point in this show, as we'll get to, is that because he's a small boy and he's sort of standing on the shoulders of giants, 
it, it's sort of like a martial artist, you know. Um, he hasn't earned the power that he has, and it leads him down the wrong path, just like Jimmy, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, it, and it's not about the choices he makes, it's about the actions and its interaction with this, you know, very fake science and engineering that he does. Oh, it's pretty, so- it's pretty soft on, there, on the hardness versus see, softness science We're scale. there to see the spectacle and, you know, comparing it to like Jimmy Neutron, where a big part of the show of that very formulaic arc is, oh, I learned a lesson. I mean, he didn't, but, you know. No, but oh, that's, I, what they, that's what Nick wants you to think. Yeah, I oh, I shouldn't have solved this problem. It wasn't really a problem. I should, you know, understand things besides science. Here, it's like, I caused a problem. I solved the problem. The episodes end before he even has a chance to, like, introspect. So that's true, and I think that's a really good point, is that um, in other shows, you know, the shows of the vintage where you feel the need to solve your problems or have your characters learn a moral, that's more fairly or that's not more fairly that's more jimmy neutron and stuff while watching this something that jumped out at me is that he loves science and that he's also a little boy and never the twain shall meet like they he doesn't use science (laughs) really all that much to do the little like he might he might put on a learning you know a, a language learning helmet and learn french but the episode is not about him you know yeah about him like regretting the decisions of science it's about what happens to a person when all they can say is omelet du fromage yeah this isn't like that's where the show exists this isn't timmy turner using his magic to you know spend more time with a girl he likes this is you know dexter did some mad science oh no shit he has to go to school he has to spend time with his sister and then the effects converge but don't influence each other it is a strict comedy setting that happens to be propelled into being because of mad science. Like, that mad science is not the important part of Dexter. And right. it's not the most important part of, like, most of his plots. Oh, I just remembered one of the sh- one of the episodes I wanted to watch that I didn't get a chance to. Oh, which one? Uh, the one where he has to learn piano. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he... That song, man. <laughs> this show has a weird number of celebrity guests and, like, weird musical numbers. Who is numbers. that? Uh, I think that's Paul Williams. So I was gonna say, um, since you brought it up, and not to get too far off the off the road, no, that's but fine. This show, because it's built by Gendy Tartakovsky, who, if you want to he- learn more about him, uh, go back to episode eight or watch Clone Wars or whatever. But if the thing about Gendy is that he pushes the envelope, he he experiments with his own formula, mm-hmm. frequently taking on other genres of thing while he's doing his thing. The man loves it's, himself some anime, and it shows. The uh, when he was doing Samurai Jack, he had that one episode where Aku was just talking about ridiculous stories to some kids to try to influence younger minds. Right, that's not what Samurai Jack is about. No, but he just it, he weirdly like just just transports the thing that he's working on into whatever whatever genre he really feels like yeah they do that here at times this show is more adaptable than samurai jack i would say because samurai jack is for the most part contained within a very atmospheric like it's emotive um here the point in samurai jack is the story to some degree the point in here is comedy right and the characters i I think you're right yeah um and i i would like to say like the fact that he doesn't really learn a lesson is benefited 
because there are um, three segments in a 22-minute block rather than, you know, a standard two. And the middle one, you know, frequently is not looking at Dexter. <laughs> it's looking at um, one of these two miniseries that we can talk a little bit about each. Um, Dial we, M we, for Monkey we will and later. The yes. Justice Friends. It's weird. It makes it feel like, it feels like less of a cartoon and more like a sketch comedy show at times. This was Gendy's first, like, thing where he had full control, and I feel like he really needed to get out a lot of his ideas. Like, they were all pushing Yeah, they were building up. He didn't have, <laughs> like, like, after this and once he started on Samurai Jack, he's like, okay, I've gotten all the weird stuff out. Let me... Now let's focus. <laughs> let me grow something. I went to college, I went on benders, now it's time to get serious. We're just gonna do this one thing, but we're gonna do it great. Yeah. And then we're also gonna do other weird things inside of it, but no, <laughs> nobody tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we can't talk enough sugar about him, so let's not. Zane, I think we have a pretty good idea of the plot, is that Dexter uh, has inventions and then comedy ensues. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Dexter. Yeah. This kid is weird. Everything about him is out of place with the world around him. So before we start talking about the characters, I want to stress that the characters in this are a lot less, are a lot more fluid in their behavior than in Samurai Jack or other contemporary shows of the time. Maybe not on Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network did this shit a lot. But because... um, because this is such a comedy-focused show, you'll have Dexter be, you know, frightened and timid in one episode and just, like, righteous and indignant the next. Or Dee Dee will be, like, kind of weirdly intuitive and mm-hmm. and um, heartwarmingly attached to her brother in one episode and then just complete dits and total jerk the next episode. And so it makes it a little bit hard to talk about these characters because they're more role-fillers than it's actual also, people. I mean, that is exacerbated somewhat by the fact that they changed voice actors for Dexter and Dee Dee, like, every other season? No, not in every other season. Dexter was Christine Cavanaugh until 2001 reboot. Right. Um, Dee Dee switched off um, a couple of voice actors between seasons one and two, but I, I, I guess you're right. Like, the fact that the characters don't need a specific grounding... And you can just do whatever you want with them. And as long as they look the same, have some of the same affectations, you don't notice at that age that they have different personalities or capabilities. Yeah, and that's fine. As long as they pronounce things weird, you get it. (laughs) You're like, oh, that's Dexter. Right. And it's like, it's weird to hear me say that. That being like, this is a character, he's pretty inconsistent, and that's okay. Because the characters, the characters are what give me like cartoon watching fuel if i like a character i'm gonna sit through the rest yeah but it's it's very strange how here the fact that the character it can't isn't really that consistent and when he is consistent he's motivated by stuff that i can no longer connect with he's motivated by getting to school on time and you know learning a language for homework or being or or trying to you know one up his school rival or something like that and just to clarify the characters are not growing they are changing on the whims of the plot Mm -hmm. they're simpsons characters they're simpsons characters you know they're they're bart specifically bart and lisa i would say 
because uh, like maybe like, think Lisa about Lisa well. in like the Telltale Heart or any of her like vegetarian shenanigans before she gets like flanderized. It feels a little bit out of place. When I'm when I think of it as Bart, what I'm thinking of specifically is sometimes he is really smart but just not applying himself. Sometimes mm. he's really dumb. Sometimes he's evil. Sometimes yeah, he just he's like Reese pranks. from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, it's it's you you once you categorize them as like oh they're that kind of kid, you don't realize there's a broad spectrum and they can move within that spectrum. Yeah, but. I mean, just like Simpsons was more about, we've got these, like, it's not really like this is the character. It's like this is the range that this character can fill in our comedy plot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Char- they're very wide ranges. Axes, I'm going to call The thing them. is, Dexter and Dee Dee are, like, very, very common, very frequent characters in this show. Like, they comprise almost all of the all of the screen time. Pretty much. And and it's because we want to have that brother-sister dynamic, so they better have the ability to fill a lot of roles. If they, yeah. if one needs to be nurturing the other, they can do that. If they need to be butting heads, they can do that. And that's okay as well, because brothers and sisters are going to fight. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like it's inherently bad that these characters are ill-pegged down. It works for the format. Right. Anyway, we're getting very, very abstract. So let's go back to Dexter. Right. Like I said, I think that his science and what he's trying to do are pretty independent. Like, what what are some, like, common characteristics of every scientist you meet? They're like, I mean, maybe not every scientist, but, you know, they have a habit of being very methodical, very logical, and taking their time comporting themselves and composing sentences. Right. He this can is, be rabid and feral at times. <laughs> this is how stereotypes about different, you know, college majors start off. You know, if you're in an engineering or computer, you know, major and doing that sort of program, the sort of um, the sort of programs where you don't, you know, you buy the nature of the work, you have to spend a lot of time by yourself in deep focus, working bit by bit, your social skills will not be up to par because you're just, you're not using them as much. Um, Yeah. The demand of this pursuit limits your ability to, um, to socialize properly, essentially. And that might be a little callous way to say it, but with Dexter, it's also true. With Dexter, you have a character who is so unbelievably smart at such a young age that he he hasn't he's not that smart because he put in all that time to be that smart he just is right and that right. means that his him as a little boy means that his personality can be very fluid yeah he's he's still kind of cementing and he's of course very egotistical because he can do these things that other people can't but his sister he still gets on his nerves he still he, wants to fit in sometimes he still wants you know. to fit in he uh He's got a temper. Oh yeah. One of his one of his biggest flaws is that he has a temper. And this is all stuff that a little kid kind of growing up is going to going to face. So, you know, delineating the science from the boy is really the only way you can do this, and which makes a- Jimmy Neutron a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if I don't know if we like tied that end off when we did the Jimmy Neutron episode, but he totally breaks that rule. You know, like his science is the way he socializes with people. Like it's yes. how he talks to Sheen 
and like the the way he talks to Sheen and Carl is trying to explain things to them in a scientific way. The way Dexter talks to Dee Dee is get the fuck out of my room. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. No, yeah, that's absolutely right. I think I think the only common thread between the sort of um, stereotypical scientist and Dexter's behavior is that he doesn't understand other people. Yeah, he doesn't have friends. Like, I mean, there's like the occasional episode where he does, because again, these characters are fluid. But yeah, and he's probably jung- younger, younger than Jimmy Neutron as well. So he's fluid. Um, the there's a very popular theory online that Dexter is uh, has Asperger's syndrome. Um, okay. And that- and that you, you know, this is the classic, you're seeing other characters through the protagonist's eyes. His family is weird because he doesn't understand them. He can't empathize with them. Uh, they've even gone so far as to say, like, well, his accent is weird and different because he speaks the words the way he learned them, possibly from TV. Oh, and his lab is just him kind of setting up, like, little plastic figurines. And when Dee, Dee is destroying his lab, she's just trying to play with him. Um, I still like the idea that that's a real lab. Um, <laughs> I don't think you necessarily okay. have to deny that. I, I'm i not 100% sold on it, but it makes way more sense than the theory that Dexter is Dexter from Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's just stupid. Although I do love that image of him covered with blood like the like the title card of Dexter. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is, that it makes sense. That, that, that's an interesting theory. I don't think I like it. No, um, but the fact I that like he doesn't understand. Much... Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I, I like what we said about him so far, and some of his weird behavior, like specifically his scientific affectation, like his his weird accent, his lab coat, his boots, all can be explained by the fact that Gandhi just reasoned that mad scientists should look like that. Yeah, why? That is he the have only explanation. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be able to just turn Mount Rushmore into battle bots? It's fine. <laughs> it's cool. That's what science does, guys. <laughs> um, so, like, I, if anyone has tried to explain, like, no, he's adopted. How could he have this different accent? No, it's Gendy likes funny accents. End. Yeah. Done. Uh, his relationship with Dee Dee, which is the primary one of the show, like you said, most of the time he wants her to get out, but there is that... Um, jealousy that he feels for her ability to interact with people to do physical things rather than just mental or to just not worry oh he's possessive about her it's weird that this is you know it's not that she can't bother him it's that she can't behave in a way that he deems like not 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 how he wants her to act it's weird that on like in the abstract this is so clearly an uh, an odd couple relationship but it never seems like it in the show do you know why that might be what do you mean by that? What do you mean you know, by odd couple relationship? One's really uh, one's really neat. One's really messy. One's really smart. One not so much. You know, it's the classic. They have to live together. Maybe it's, it's because the camera is focused so heavily on Dexter. Like we don't really get that contrast because all we're seeing is like Dee Dee applying various stimuli to Dexter's world. We're oh, not really yeah. seeing. We're not really seeing like an ebb and flow. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, she's acting as a force of nature on his plans. Right, yeah. Chaos uh, and order. Mm hmm. But he, he, you know, he does have some attachment to her. There's episodes where he, like, doesn't really know how to purport himself if he doesn't know where she is, you know? So, right. And, and I like, I, just like everything else that we've dealt with a sibling relationship, I love that the only thing that really irks him is his 
sister. You know, like, they're the only ones, like, just we were talking about in ba- Angry Beavers, they're the only ones that can get in under each other's skin, no matter how composed they are. Right, and that's a relationship that children can understand, which is good, because, you know, a lot of the other things in this show are weird for, like, a six-year-old. Yeah, like the like the space monsters. <laughs> yeah, space monsters, just anime stylizations of, like, giant mech battles. Oh, time, sure. Time travel. How, what was your grasp on time travel when you were six? Pretty strong. Okay. I mean, we have our dad. I guess what I want to what I, what I need he, to say is like... He was whispering H.G. Wells plots to us while we were in the womb, Zane. You know it <laughs> happened. I guess what I'm trying to say is the show gives credit to children to understand things and to get the point even if, like, the words are weird. That's true. I, uh, I do want to embark a little bit further on this D.D. Dexter relationship because... One of the plot points is that Dee Dee always busts into his lab, right? Yes. However, it's stated on multiple occasions that Dexter has the ability to wipe the parents' memories. This is apparently not an easy thing to do, like, because he tries very hard to keep it a secret. He doesn't put up very much effort keeping Dee Dee out. Yeah, he was asking for it. Like, even, even the opening cinematic has her pulling a book and going down this chute into Dexter's lab, where there's a very kind sign-up that says no DDs. But uh, beyond that, I don't think that he actually takes pains to keep her out. No, and it's it's hard to say whether that's just because... Whether it's negligence or, like... I think there have been episodes something where more he subtle. is really trying to keep her out, and just no matter what he does, she'll find a way, so why bother? Yeah, it doesn't feel like that to me. Maybe it's just because the you see the intro every time, so that it's you can see that it's very easy for her to get in. It keeps happening the same way. Yeah, he doesn't learn. <laughs> but maybe it's just because I'm getting that Im- impression. It, it feels like he almost wants her to have access to this lab in sort of a in sort of a Holmesian way. You know, he wants someone to see how smart he is. Yeah, like, and he has somebody to blame there, if things go poorly. She's always marveling at all the things. Ooh. And if something goes wrong, he has someone to blame beside himself. He's, like we said, very egotistical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say exactly why she's so interested in the stuff he's doing. I don't think it is. Like, she's a normal girl for the most part. Like, maybe a little ditzy, but I... And I didn't realize until watching it again, but she's only ditzy in matters of academia. She's actually pretty well socialized and, like acclimated to her kind of social role within the family unit like she knows how to cook and clean and stuff i think that she just likes dexter as a brother and wants to be closer to him that makes like, I don't sense think it's that, i don't i don't think, I don't think that, that she's just interested in the shinies you know it's it's been shown on record her interests are you know ponies yeah uh, no but like she reacts emotionally when dexter is in her way or treats her badly you know she'll cry over things that he said she'll be outraged that he tried to get in her room you know regular shit Uh uh-huh frankly i always liked looking at it again episodes that focused more on Didi, i thought were better i think that this character is pretty good yeah i mean it's it's nice to have someone doing things instead of talking about things or thinking about things i I think i just like that what she brings out in dexter because if we didn't have her dexter wouldn't be talking to anything or anyone yeah he wouldn't be he wouldn't be explaining the plot to us if he didn't 
you know right have to deal with Dee Dee and felt like narrating to himself or actually had to explain to her yeah it's 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 like uh she is like the champion of a village and had amnesia and now she has to be reminded by everybody in the whole village it's like no as you as you forgot this is the way our society works (laughs) right um his other primary relationship is with his antagonist mandark um whom i didn't see as much as i thought i would he didn't show up too consistently actually he steals the spotlight when he shows up though like i think that's why you're remembering he's a huge ham um, yeah, and they play up their rivalry whenever he is around. But when he's not in the episode, it's not like Dexter's like planning to overthrow him. It's not like a, a Zim Dib relationship. No, it's 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 prote- it's uh, it's it's more Batman Joker or uh-huh. Superman Lex Luthor. It's like antagonist is proactive, protagonist is reactive. Mm-hmm. You know, and Dexter's not even that much of a protagonist. Like I. I don't know if I stress this, but I love that Dexter isn't heroic in any way. <laughs> like, he's not, like, a good person. Because he's not really a person, because he's a kid. But, like, he doesn't... He's not really heroic, yeah. you know? Yeah, He's he, just reactionary, and he's trying to protect his shit. He will be strong and stuff. smart and powerful until the problem is resolved, and then go back to being a weenie. Right, and, and it's just... It's all to protect his own interests. Yes. You know? <laughs> This, he could very easily grow up to be a Kim Possible villain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Uh, I, I could see him as a draken. Um, yeah, it, I love how we expect Dexter to rise the occasion. Because Mandark, he, when he comes on screen, there's like ominous fucking organ music going. And you're <laughs> like, oh, I get it. Dexter's the good counterpoint. And then that doesn't happen. Like, it's just evil, power-hungry scientist versus egomaniacal scientist. Like, more or less without any sort of noble aspirations or world peace goals or anything like that. It's just, get out of my area. When Didi comes in to rob them of a clear winner, it's not like like she's teaching them a lesson about, you know, jealousy or ego. She's just messing things up. Yeah, she's just a spanner in the works. You know, I've actually seen this relationship before where, like, one of them is the ambiguous protagonist and the other one is the clear antagonist. Do yeah. you remember in Pinky and the Brain when yes. Brain has this rival, a Snowball. hamster named Snowball? Yeah. There's a brown hamster named Snowball. And Brain dethrones his evil plan to, like, whatever the fuck he was doing. I don't remember. He dethrones his evil plan because he's possessive of the world. <laughs> if, if I can't have it, you can't. Yeah, and I mean, I guess Brain is more proactive than Dexter is in those circumstances, but it's not a personal thing for Brain. Brain just wants to take over the world because, like, those are almost in, like, a Don Quixote way. He just, he needs to have these ambitions. So Dexter has ambitions, they're just a lot smaller and not as much infringing upon anyone else. There, come to think of it, there are a number of similarities between this show and Pinky and the Brain. I guess, I mean, Dee Dee and Pinky, obviously. Yeah, the the clear physical differences, the fact that they're forced to be near each other because you can't think of a good reason why they would want to be near each other. Um, yeah, some, at least sometimes in, in Dexter will, like, lower his voice and go into a soliloquy, which is voiced by Orson Welles. It's great. It's so good. Um, <laughs> He's in July. 
Wait, um, who was that? Rob Paulson? No, that's that's Pinky. Who's Maurice who's LaMarche? The Maurice LaMarche. You're right. You're right. Um, I I think exploring the differences in their size and physicality is worth mentioning because Dexter is the only character that's this short, squat, body is proportional to head kind of character. Yeah, that's that's an interesting decision. That's weird. I don't. I think it's kind of like to make him more and more like even more hermit-like than he already was like because uh, i mean as vague as his character is that's sort of his beat is that he retreats into his science and isn't like other people so might as well make him this like weird like intellectual pygmy right um huh. I-, I think that's probably the reason for it in addition to, you know, the boots and the accent and the... But then, coat. you know, you look at your antagonist, Mandark, and he's uh, he's the tall... The way that he, they have these very he's tiny tall, bodies He wears clothes. He's wearing like, clothing. <laughs> he we- he doesn't have a funny accent. He's, he's he what does. Dexter could be if... I don't know. Like, it seems like he's representing a side of Dexter that, wish, that, that Dexter wishes he had. Like, this... this presentable science but oh yeah yeah they don't really they don't really go too far with that like dexter is a oppenheimer he wants to be a bill nye like i don't think they go that far with it though (laughs) he's he's looking at mandark and he's like yes i want to have the science and also be able to interact with people and be cool and all this stuff not really not realizing that like mandark is just as ostracized (laughs) yeah he's just it's just like on it's just because, like, Mandark is, like, obscurely sinister. The grass is greener. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, and, and that awesome cadence to his laugh. I can't get over how good that is, Zane. <laughs> what is... Wh- what prompted that choice? I don't know. He does it with everything he does. Like, it became it's, its own in-universe joke. It is also that sort of B-movie evil laugh. Ha 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 ha! It's three it, and it. five. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, what other characters do we have? I uh, I wrote down the mom and the dad. Yeah, mom and dad. This this show has very the most um, stereotypical, tra- traditional, well intentioned, loving parents that all of Cartoon Dom has to offer. Like this is this these mom this mom and dad cartoon this cartoon mom and dad are fucking distilled to like concentrate like they don't they don't get more mom and dad than this yeah that you see this in a lot of other cartoon moms and dads um, Dexter's dad in particular is one of the better tech cartoon dads that's how I would put it you know he's not quite as unhinged as Jimmy Neutron's dad he's not as weird no he's like doug's dad stupid as um timmy turner's dad yeah he's, he's like, doug's dad he's doug's dad with a silly streak yeah with a, like a little bit sillier like he he is kind of like a 50s working man like oof, hard day at the office you know that sort of thing but he always has a smile on and is delighted about vapid like vaguely manly things like sports and razors and fishing and shit and it's weird because it's like just so little to him. He's clearly okay. Yeah, family man, working hard. This sort of like iconic American good guy. And he clearly he loves his kids. He loves his wife. Dexter doesn't get him, and 
doesn't really like him, it seems. I don't think that... I think that you're going a little too far. It doesn't seem like Dexter doesn't like him. They just don't interact that much. It's like... It's like the, the, the dad is just kind of a 50s dad, which is just like, if you do your chores, you're in the right kid. Like, he's not very in tune with Dexter's sensitivity Maybe. or what he does with his free time. He's just like, as long as I get a pipe at the end of the day and someone brings me my slippers, we're okay. Maybe I just saw the, the episodes where he was portrayed more silly that I got the sense that he was, um, you know, being portrayed in Dexter's mind as a very, you know... You should be well, like doing a, more with your life. Yeah, like as a goon. Yeah, as a goober. Maybe I. I don't because every, everything in the show is in contrast to Dexter. That's how it's set up. That's true. That's true. He's the centerpiece of of the world, and everything that exists around him makes it seem like he's being encroached upon by normal society mm-hmm. from all sides. And his mom is so far removed from him that it's it's hard to say that she has an established personality. I Again, had they, a they, hard they have time. a range. I had a hard time writing things down about mom and not because they're not there, but because they are viscerally problematic to me. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody here is not familiar with like, you might be familiar with the dad because it's Doug's dad. If you haven't been, if you're not familiar with Dexter's mom, then go look this image up because it's like pretty amazing. (laughs) Like, first of all, Hartman hips. Let's talk about that. Are you yeah, familiar well, with this it, term? It, it was Hartman. <laughs> well, it was actually incorrectly named after uh, the writer-animator Butch Hartman, who used it prominently in things like Fairly Odd Parents and shit, right? Uh-huh. In fact, it is Stephen Silver's work, who is uh, who's also an animator. But, you know, okay. Hartman used it quite a lot. And what you do is you de-emphasize the boobies because... You know, it's a cartoon, it's a family show, let's not get in anyone's face. Um, And what you do is you emphasize the tertiary sexual characteristics, such as a huge fucking uh, hips and narrow waist. Uh And that's uh, that's what mom has. And just in case it wasn't clear what her role in the show was, she's wearing rubber gloves and an apron for cleaning. Yeah. And also cooks with those on, like, at least a different pair of gloves, mom. Like, the, you, you clean the toilet with those. That's not okay. You, yeah, you, you look at her and you spend some time trying to remember that she's not Rosie from the Jetsons. Yeah. Like they're, dressed, they're dressed the same. They serve the same function, and it's not okay. Yeah, and as, like, regressively, like, feminist regressive as uh, Judy Jetson was in mm-hmm. uh, in, in uh, Jet Starks Meet the Fletsums. And taken all together, the mad science the b-movie the classic american family i think the the 50s are the deck like we've talked about how certain shows remind us of different decades this is very 50s yes yes uh this is actually very similar it reminds me of hey arnold quite a bit when we focus on the parents yeah Um, you know big pop pataki that, that whole family unit. The man is the man of the house because he's the man of the house. You know, just kind of like that recursive logic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the, the mother is has to get their kids out the door and with their lunches, brown bag lunches, be at the bus just at the right time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all very um, familiar. Yeah. It doesn't go any farther than a... that, but it's just like that's the decade that they pulled these parents from. No, I, I don't have much else to say about them. And... and... Given that you know, they play a relatively small role, I'm I'm comfortable moving on. Interestingly, 
um, Mandark's parents are 60s parents. Oh, yeah, the the hippie backstory. Yeah, like, I, I don't, like, I don't know exactly what the deal is, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know why they did that, but sure. <laughs> yeah, everyone got, like, a pain. gritty backstory after, like, a season. <laughs> What's that? Everybody got a gritty backstory after a season. <laughs> I don't know about that. So, uh, what other characters do we have? None. Goose? Goose? Coos. Oh, Coos of a Dom DeLuise just yep, showing that's up. Right. It's just Tiger. It's just as Tiger in a, in a like, weird, like, misshapen Chinese dragon costume. Yeah. I, like, uh, he's not a character. I just wanted to bring him up. He's weird. He's awesome. I watched he's, that episode. I was thrilled the whole time. <laughs> and I, I didn't need to watch. I did watch it. I didn't need to. I remember the whole thing. A tub of meat. <laughs> something, something about this show just sticks in your head. It does. Um, I mean, it was in our formative years, but it's also like distilled. It's it's concentrated. It's it's the comedy formula at its most sublime and effective. So yeah, this is when you laugh a lot. When you laugh a lot, you remember what made you laugh. Yeah, should like, it's just we, that um, simple. Should we touch on the mini series uh, currently, or should we wait until after we establish? I wanted more to do of the that the at show. the ten. I, I wanted to do that at the end as extra details. Okay, great. So, uh, let's go into the tone and genre. Zane, what did you mm-hmm. think? In some ways, it's exactly what you expect. You know, you got your standard cartoony and comedic beats. Uh, but in other ways, it's really stretching the art form. There are a lot of episodes where, you know, it's like, oh, that one where it's in super slow-mo, or that one where it's a giant robot battle, or that one where it's done like a noir, like... Yeah. Gendy just had these ideas, and this was his medium in which he could express them, so he made it work. I, I agree. That was actually the very first thing I wrote down. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't know how common it is that the two of us, like, share the same thoughts about these things, yeah. and that we both write them down, or whether we're just playing off of each other through our notes. But I have the same thing written down as the first tone and genre thing is that it's silly enough to warrant abandoning the scientist child tone and just use a different genre whenever they, whenever they want. And it's because when I was a kid, I didn't think of this as particularly creative as a show. I was like, this is what a stand, this is the standard. This is, this this is, is a what a cartoon, this is a cartoon is. Yes. And I really yeah. didn't think beyond that, but it's just like when we looked at uh, fairly odd parents, there's, there's, so much like good choices yeah i mean i mean mission statement for our for our podcast and it does bring up that uh that issue of is this show actually as good as we think it is or were we was our were our tastes defined by the cartoons in our youth mm-hmm. and that's a hard thing to judge because the people who have cartoons in their youth right now are watching shit i mean not not usually of course but like there's a lot of people who like teen titans go has a huge fan base you know whatever you say about it it has got a huge fan base in 20 years are they going to see that show as being Mm -hmm. you know the perfection of comedy and that's the thing no one's surprised anymore when a show has a musical episode or when they have celebrity guest voices this is where a lot of that started except for like animaniacs which was you know, for an older sort of... Ooh, I can I can draw it r- way back before then, Zane. Really? Like, the first, the first example 
that I can think of is the opera episode of Looney Tunes. Okay. And they also do one of those here, you know, with like the with with Bugs Bunny in like the Valkyrie ost- costume and bewitched <laughs> Elmer Fudd because that's his only setting. Fair enough. Um, I guess what I mean is like. Maybe this is more of a revival of it. I can't think of too many examples in the p- previous fifteen years to this where this was a where that was something that was done. Yeah, th- I mean, this certainly steps on the gas when it does it too. Like yeah. it makes a whole episode out of it, or like uses it in as background music for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not just to plug a song so that you know they have something to put on the soundtrack at the end. Like they're not just right. plugging a song to let one person kind of to to let a um a popular singer take the sh- take the take the spotlight so that uh so that she suddenly a clickbait maniac or anything like that. No, it's if they're going to do music, they're going to do it right. They're going to do it as a whole. They're going to do it as a stage production, not a halftime show. You know? Yeah. Um. And and we rem- we you know we might be biased on this because what we're remembering is this is the times when it worked i'm sure there were times where they took risks in the show where it didn't work but i kind of they those slid off me yeah i, I don't really remember them either there's certainly episodes where i'm not laughing consistently i'm never bored with this show mhm and they're never always bored doing new creative and things frequently enthusiastic what, what what in your opinion was an episode that was really expanding what this could be. You oh, know? beard to be feared. At last, I have you beautiful genius scientist supermodels as my prisoners, leaving the invention you created to use for good and joy to now be used by me for bad and pain. Sometimes pain's a good thing. Action Hank! Action Hank! But I thought we left you in the clutches of the giant squid! Seems you got tied up at the last minute, but I'm here to straighten you out. Beard to be feared is an incredible... <laughs> like, Dexter's Lab is one of those shows where we can talk about specific episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing. Like, it's like so Futurama good. in that way. Um, I don't know. Like, they, they had the opera episode, right? That, that kind of helped. Uh, really, it's common episode serves to push the media forward because they just they commit to whatever they're doing and what they're yeah. doing is sometimes vastly different from what they've done before. Like I remember there's this one episode where Dexter has to go to detention and they treat it as like him leaving his teacher is like a loved one saying goodbye. <laughs> like it's, it's treated <laughs> very seriously. And then he gets right. into, you know, the slammer, they're all in front of a chalkboard and they're writing on the chalkboard. Like I am a criminal. And <laughs> the way that the, that they pull the chalk back and then slam it into the chalkboard and the way that when they draw the line down rocks like chalk dust crumbles they emphasize these things to make it seem like he's a member of a chain gang i have a perfect visual in my head of what you're talking about and i did and, not rewatch this <laughs> and the... that just that owes to like one the excellent sound design and animation working perfectly in tandem and two the recognition that even if kids don't get what's going on like it's still done the super mood is well. There. Yeah, I didn't understand that that was a chain gang reference when I was six. No. It didn't matter. It's just it's effective. Mm-hmm. They they bring your focus to the things that matter. Um, yeah. For me, one of the most inventive things, and they've done this. I can only think of one other example where I've seen this, and that's Axe Cop. 
Um, <laughs> they had an episode written by and narrated by a six-year-old. Uh, well, you're aware that that show is done, like, it is uh, from the comic book Axe Cop that was written by a six-year-old. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the only other example I can think of where that was done. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Do you remember this episode where where it's like this kid reading a story he wrote, and they just animated it, and it like there's run on sentences and things that don't make sense. It's like, and then Mandark said, and uh, and then Dexter said, and you see Mandark like, <laughs> oh, I want to talk, but no, I cannot. <laughs> I don't. That sounds really fun though. Like that sounds very funny. Yeah, and it's like that sounds like, like there's, a, there's so many of these like things I couldn't remember. Web all animation of, of How to Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Can you God, remember that, that thing? thing? It's like this 20 How minute thing of just a person just making shit up and flash animating behind it. This is when things start getting hazy. The next morning, Scout and her friends and her brother decided to go exploring for treasure. But too late, a pirate found it first. And who was this pirate, you ask? No other than Boo Radley. Who wants them dead as much as the treasure? Almost. He said to them, Now I have the treasure from the tree, and all you get is the string and the clock watch. And Scout, a girl, says, Not so fast, pirate! And it turns out she's actually not a girl at all, but a robot guy. The pirate's like, Yeah, right, this treasure's mine forever. And right when he's getting ready to ride away on his burning shark, the pirate's like, No! Because right then, a mockingbird, which is giant and has blades like a helicopter, takes away all the gold and gems, except for the character named Gem, because he's worthless. I don't think there was a single person uh, in 2003 who I didn't show that to. Oh, yeah, that was like the next Homestar Runner for a little while there. It was like before <laughs> old Greg hit it big. <laughs> uh. God, right. I, I love, I love, you know, in moment, like living legends like that. You know, like you know they're going to be talked about. Like, and some of them weren't. But the point is, at the time, you're like, this is a big thing and deserves to be treated with the utmost respect. That's why I, I was, those. I was somewhat, you know, worried about this episode because Dexter is one of those that veers on too good for us to talk about or too iconic. It's very close. It is. Um, but I think but it's I, important I, I, that we do hit this veering, generation of cartoon, though. Yeah, we're veering into old guide nostalgia territory. Um, mm. What other what other things can we talk about here? That's a good point, and thank you for pulling me out of that. I don't know how long it would have lasted. Um, another thing to make note of is that this show, because it's strictly comedy format, and because they have three episodes in an episode, it's that, like each episode is eight minutes tops. And it makes a lot of use out of that pace. Like, uh-huh. And you do do have that kind of like no narrative inertia kind of feel to it. Where there's no consequence to them doing these things. But the consequence and the motivations are not the point. The point is... It's like, what can we do to get funny out of this moment? Is what they're <laughs> always asking. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, there isn't um, an inherent need in the show to fix problems. It's just an inherent need in the show to make comedy, to, to, to siphon comedy out of this thing that happened. Yeah. You can set up a plot, know where it needs to end, and just put in the jokes that you can think of. It reminds me of Kablam for that reason, actually. Uh huh. I mean, that plus the sketch comedy with Dial M for Monkey, this is a lot like Kablam in some ways. 
Mm-hmm. Except, although I in think I have more like better, better done. Yeah, more like I mean, it's definitely more quality. But I think I'm actually more impressed with Kablam for like innovation. Uh huh. Like this is well, Kablam was innovative because it was doing. It the format itself was innovative, forcing a different medium onto an established like, like cartoon, like mm-hmm. the idea of a cartoon. This one really just expanded what the medium could do. I remember uh, this guy. Uh, I, I think I actually might, if I haven't mentioned it yet in the podcast, I mentioned it right before we started recording. Which is uh, this YouTube guy who says, who does an, uh, anime and other thing reviews online. His name is Super Eye Patch Wolf, which is terrible, but his actual reviews are really good. And he does one for Hajime no Ippo. Um, which is a boxing anime that I love. At the end of it, he says, now, at the when I go through an anime, I like to always consider what pushes the medium forward. And in that anime, nothing really did. It was more of a celebration of the medium that was already there. Everything that they could do to it uh-huh. was already in their toolbox, but they used it so precisely and effectively that it made an over-the-top excellent show. And yes. I sort of feel like that's what hap- what is happening here. Like... All of this stuff is tried and true. They have like really good late motifs. They have a really good sense of comedic timing. The sound effects are just Looney Tunes a lot of the time, but they're used <laughs> so effectively. Many many of those praises could also be said of Kim Possible, but we were a lot less sweet on that. What do you think the difference is? Well, it's one of it is breadth of experience. It's just better. Kim Kim Possible only does one tone. Okay, it does spy. That's it. Right. This does whatever it feels like. This does action movie. This does horror genre. This does, you know, zany fantasy adventure. And it does all of them with its own, you know, stock sound effects. It doesn't... You don't get, mm-hmm. bo- you don't get bored watching this show because it's always something different. You know? Yeah, that's, that's You a good do point. get bored watching Kim Possible because it's all about... It's all... It, you're always gonna know... You, you know that you can always beep her. Like, there's, there's no surprises with Kim. But sometimes Dexter turns into a Godzilla monster and he's suddenly shouting his attacks like it's some sort of kaiju film. Like, what the fuck? You can't do that in <laughs> Kim Possible. Yeah. De- Dexter loses a, surprise, a surprising amount. Oh, yeah. He, like, it doesn't matter. I've, I've seen... Dude, remember that one episode where he tries to make himself super tall so he could ride the 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 uh, amusement park ride? The roller oh, coaster? Oh, the roller coaster? <laughs> like, again... Notice how small these plots are and how quickly science gets out of the way. Like, yeah. I need to make myself taller. Okay, growth accelerant. The rest of the episode is all about him being too tall. <laughs> We're just going to forget right. the like science. He, like they forgot the original premise. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we watched this episode, overcorrection of science. He, at the end of the episode, he is in a full speeding roller coaster and smacks his head right into a wall and it just cross. It's just it just cuts to black cuts to the end like he just got decapitated (laughs) this is a children's show (laughs) so yeah like it it does have like that weird sense of no ontological inertia like it just maintains status quo not really like just next episode whatever but Mm -hmm. that does allow it to be whatever the hell it wants yeah i like that I, i that 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 takes me a lot of places um Let's see. What what else do you want to say about it? Um, 
I don't. I can't think of anything else. I don't think we necessarily need to. Um, there's given one that other we'll thing that I wanted chatting to say. a bit about the miniseries. Yeah, there's one other thing I wanted to say, which is that okay. uh, that the show is weirdly heartwarming at times. I don't know if you noticed this, and it's because they have yeah. that. It's because the characters have that depth of field. Like they can be whatever they want. So sometimes they can be like a brother and sister who love each other. Like that's not outside the realm of possibility. They're not going to harp on it. They're not going to do it every episode, but the pieces are there to do that, and they can do that really well as well. It's impressive that those episodes can also be entertaining. Do you remember the Kusula Goopa Goop episode right at the end where he uh, wishes he imagines him away, and then Kus is like, "Goodbye, Dee Dee. Goodbye, Dexter. You'll never see me again." And that's like kind of silly, but then Dexter like is like fraught with regret. He's like. What have I done? Oh no, I, I'm so sorry. And he like grabs Coos and he's like, you are warm. And he's like, I know. And it's like surprisingly effective. I thought that that was actually a, a really sudden and unbelievable shift for Dexter. It was. It was, but like. Even considering the character. Even um, considering the, I'll grant you that. But accepting that it was a sudden shift, it was like, this is a kid who is losing a quote-unquote friend, and he doesn't know how to handle it, and he's just, like, trying to hold the friend back from disappearing. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe and, it's and, not and they that... Force you in, they force you into that emotional moment out of nothing. <laughs> right. They do. And that's, you know... Listen, it can be done better. And it's done no, I'm saying that shows. they did it effectively, and that's what's so weird. I, I it think it's weird. just a function of me being, you know, older and more cynical that I'm like, that shift doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. You're totally right, and I do think that it does it weak in this show. The point is that this show can still do it, and that's pretty yeah. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, like, you get, become very in touch with Dexter's emotions throughout the show. Like, they don't always make sense to you, but, like, that's the emotion that they're trying to make you feel. Yeah, he, wear, he wears it on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's he's just like not six consistent. or something, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so I guess we should probably go into either the sideshows or the animation. Which one? Uh, let's do the animation. I actually have quite a few things to say about this, and they're the this this bit is fairly consistent, even with the mini, the mini bits. Yeah, I mean, um, I think all the differences in the animation are mostly genre shifts more than actual yeah. changes in the animation style. Uh huh. Um, Tartakovsky said that he was going for a cinematic feel, which he really perfected in in Samurai Jack. Um, but oh, he wanted to shit, keep the he backgrounds. Ever? He wanted to keep the backgrounds relevant. And so a lot of the scenes are more zoomed out than they would otherwise be. Like like you said, they, they do zoom in for certain, like, very emotive, slowed down thing, like the chalk breaking. But most mm-hmm. of the time you can see a lot of the lab and it, like, it pays off. You could probably sketch the layout of Dexter's house without too much trouble. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It, it also... <laughs> um, it, this also allows like a difference in scale between the characters and some of Dexter's inventions. It, it, it creates a visual metaphor for the gap between his kind of his intellect and his stature and some of his emotional shortcomings. Yeah, and also just his his and also just the gap between his um, his life Maturity. and everyone else's life. Yes, yeah, like, just that. 
Yeah, that that may be a consideration for why he's so short. Um, oh, so you can see the background more often? Maybe. Like I mean, I, I, I guess like there's also Didi there, but she's very skinny as well, so it's not as though she really gets much. Well, no, Didi has the same like mass interface with the background. It's just shifted up by about a meter. Yeah, but that's the point. You 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 like Dexter can't ignore her when she shows up. That's true. That's Gets in the way of the lab. Oh, Ben, we got it. <laughs> there's machines in there. You don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> that's interesting that he always wanted the background to be relevant and um i feel as though i saw a lot of like walls breaking and like objects being manipulated that i don't know if you've ever noticed this in it, this is especially bad in some modern like rpg games there is the background and then there is the interactable background and they are mm-hmm. very sharply delineated like visually yeah. You know that you're going to be able to touch this wall because it's got a different, like, modeled texture because you're going to have to move it at a point. So it can't look like shit like everything else. Right. That doesn't happen here. I mean, yeah, it's every, not a game, is so. Yeah, everything is usable. But, like, in other... You might, you might have noticed this at one time or another. Like, if there's, like, a pile of rocks and then someone's going to pick one up, they're going to pick up the weirdly discolored one that's, like, not quite in the pile, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because the pile of rocks is, like, this stock image that gets used in a whole ton of stuff. And The this pile pebble, is a thing in and of itself. Yeah. It's, it's an, a pile. It's an indivisible unit. <laughs> pile. <laughs> yes. <laughs> indivisible, unible pile. pile the pile. beaver. Um, yeah, so they don't do that here. A lot of the objects that can be interactable are interacted with and then a lot of them that aren't going to be interacted with are like look pretty similar to everything else so the the environment always feels necessary and not weirdly weirdly separate from the actions of the characters and part of that comes from the consistency of the lab and the the layout of it like not necessarily in like oh it's this big because it's way bigger um (laughs) But in that everything has the same sort of blue chrome square shape. In the future, um, everything's chrome. Everything's chrome in the future, unless it's Mandark's future, in which case it's red and triangular. Oh, it's so good. Like this is again. This is that's Aku. It's just Aku in Mandark's future, right? Yeah. This is this it's is how his color palette. They, this is how they show the rivalry. And uh, so it, let's let's move that back into your other point, which is um, that it's it's like a, it's like very theatrical like it's 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 like a what did you call it it's a stage it's a stage yeah so it conveys a lot of it conveys a lot of its storytelling through like the atmosphere and like the color palette but also it does you know it's it's conveying all of these different genre shifts by how the characters move and how that interacts with mm-hmm. the sound effects that happen to give you yeah, a couple of examples of that, let's oh, yeah. say Dexter has to prepare in a hurry in the morning. So he's okay. he overslept. He's only got a minute left. He puts on a time expansion helmet. Don't worry about this. it. It's going to time expand this episode. It. Did you watch it again? I watched it, and the, the sound effects and the visual details yeah. they went with are so good it was like a fighting it was like a, a like a weird fighting game for when he was moving from one place to the other and that sound effect that you felt sped up 
Yeah, it felt like he was moving at super speeds. It, it felt like the Flash moving in an episode of Justice League. Like, mm-hmm. it's got, like, that sound effect, and it's got, like, that clear visual indicator that he's moving faster than other shit. And it's yeah, the so after motion. Good. The after, the, the blur, and it, that whooshing sound, you know? And these are so uh-huh. important, and so many shows still get it fucking wrong. <laughs> like, even Tasmanian Devil, like, something like that, it still does that. You know, it's got that, like... Oh, he's he's here, he's a tornado in transit, and then he's here. Yeah, it's That's got the sound good. effect of a pile of wood going through a wood chipper. <laughs> and he's a little, like a little yeah. mini- miniature dervish. Um, another example is that, like, uh, in the action Hank episode, in, in the Beard to Be Feared episode, he mm-hmm. saves Hank from it. By the way, uh, you know, I'm going to take us out of the point for a second so that we can discuss Beard to Be Feared. Just this like- was. F- we briefly thought about doing a rundown of, like, episodes that are amazing just one episode from a variety of tv shows and this was top of the list (laughs) so because the whole thing is one huge shaft reference (laughs) and and dexter gets mistaken for an action hero who looks like shaft because he has a beard even though he's still like a foot tall and then he has to go into a smuggler's den who are smuggling flour and making a bunch of baking puns and he saves action hank by like there's this other the the villain has like this sharp like rapier type beard that he's trying to stab action hank with and he comes in and it's got like those motion lines and then the sound cuts out and dexter jumps from behind and puts his beard in the way of the rapier beard and goes it goes and he's going in slow motion and it shatters against how virile his man chest is it's so silly but like, it's, that's, it's not about the beard on the outside. It's, it's about, about the beard, the beard on, the on the inside. That, that's so gross. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, like that's that's what I'm talking about. Like the way the motion of the animation and the sound effects work in tandem is that that slowdown with the, you know, like yeah, it's it's like it's, a very dramatic moment kind of sound effect motion interplay that sometimes they do a lot of in in other shows. It's not just that I don't feel capable of explaining it. It's that even now, I'm sure there were things that I saw that I don't know why they worked so well. Yeah, and I think that's true more in this show than maybe other shows because uh-huh. there's nothing thematically beautiful in this show. Like there isn't. There's nothing that deep, and which well, is also a shame in that they're not. That's... They're not drawing from the same well necessarily. They have a lot of really nice touches, but they're all different. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to peg down what exactly is like. It was very easy to peg down what was great about a lot of things in Samurai Jack because in addition to being created by the same person, it was also to it, it also had a point. It also had a function. Like there was a point to his work. You know, there was. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it was borrowed from a western. You know, like lawman comes into town, tries to clean up business, right? There's no point to what Dexter is doing. He's not growing up. He's not fixing his world. He's not reconciling this di- distance that he has with the world around him. He's just a joke machine. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's maybe part of why it's hard to discuss it in you know in that way. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to say about the animation is that it does. Um, traditional cell animation, which is what we're most familiar with in all the, you know, 
pre-2000 types of shows before computer animation started hitting it big. Now, when this show rebooted, it started doing computer animation, and that is not inconsequential to our enjoyment <laughs> of the future product. Like, it was a lot smoother, but it was also a lot more plastic-looking. How yeah. much of that is just us, of the fact that it's different, or the fact that it was a different team, or they just weren't as deliberate about it? I was being very prescient about that exact point while watching it. Like, is this just worse because I'm not familiar with it? It actually looks kind of not good. Like, uh-huh. there's computer-generated graphics that can do well. Like, this weird cel-shading thing that was done in The Wind Waker is timeless in a way that the newer seasons of Dexter's Lab isn't, and that the traditional animation of Dexter's Lab is. Like, it feels more timeless. Mm -hmm. I don't know what techniques have to be imparted on computer animation style to make it work. It looks bad. (laughs) It looks real bad. (laughs) And I think that might just also be, like, it was a different director and a different production team. Like, there were so many different things that we can't really distill why the new one was bad. We have to just trust our guts on that one. Yeah. No. Anything else? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, I feel a little bad that I didn't do my due diligence and actually look at um, the newer one. You can take my word for it. I didn't want to. And granted, like if if anyone has any opinions on the newer seasons of Dexter's Lab, they're very obvious. Um, if anyone wants to tell us how wrong we are. Please tell me, because I'm legitimately yeah. interested how someone can enjoy that a lot and not, you know, and not be reaching for it. Like, I, yeah, I just and don't it's not think like it's back in the show. day I didn't watch. It's not like back in the day I didn't watch any. I just don't remember any of it. Which, considering how much I remembered of the other ones, I don't know. I, I had that really terrible moment of watching an old episode or an episode of it back in the day and trying to laugh along with it because I trusted that it was going to get there and then slowly realizing <laughs> this isn't worth, you know, putting myself through and just had to and just had to turn away from it. Uh-huh. And that's okay. Yeah. Um so uh I want to talk a little bit about the music and sound. Okay, sure. I, I think I've said most of what I wanted to about the like the sound effects, but you you generally have a better grasp on what's going on than I do on this. Well, I was specifically noticing it this time because of that, um, and good God, this sound design is amazing. Like, and it's simple things. It's very simple things. It's Looney Tune format where like everybody walking has a sound effect. You know, Dexter walking somewhere has that shuffle. Dee Dee walking tiptoeing has that like high note on the piano thing going for it. Um, they have like a slide whistle when anyone like looks up and down. It's there. It goes on and on, and it's not that impressive in and of itself but it's all very appropriate and works great with whatever they're doing uh-huh yeah there was a lot of deliberation and work because there are a lot of sound effects and they're all different mm-hmm. like sounds of impact always sound great like someone gets thrown through a wall in dexter's lab it sounds great like in general <laughs> someone getting thrown through a wall like i'm sure like it maybe if you don't know it right now but you've seen people get thrown through walls and it doesn't sound that good it always sounds good here. And I'm only, all I'm saying, you know, I'm being my own worst enemy here. I'm just like, no, but it's good this time. Like, I'm not really giving reasons why it's good. I'm just like <laughs> citing that this show is good and it's also good in its parts. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm doing more harm than good here. Um, sorry, got tired. No, it's okay. Yeah, you you do sound a little bit tired. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of sleep, and I've yeah. been up and working most of today rather than relaxing, which is what I wanted to do. Hey, man, I I totally understand it. Do you think that we can let? If, if do you think you can pep yourself up for the for the next ten minutes or so? Oh, I can talk about dial M for monkey. You know, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> sure, let's jump right into that then. I, I, I did have more to say. Like uh, I did have more examples of great sound effects, but I'm not going to harp on it. You guys get my point. No, I, I, yeah, I think the message is clear. I do want to um, say that they so make good use of leitmotifs here because Dee Dee's is always like a piano leitmotif, uh-huh. which, which, which fits her like elegance. And Dexter's is always some weird death march. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> he is a dire figure. He died. He, he strikes quite a dire figure. But yeah, go ahead with Dial M for Monkey. Countless experiments, all testing proofs negative. No enhanced abilities, no physical mutations, no nothing. It seems you shall never become anything more than a mere monkey. Monkey, this is Agent Honeydew. Help us. Right, so the title is... You know, a reference to Dial oh, M for we're Murder. We're absolutely cutting in the theme song whenever we talk about one of these interstitial things. It's so good. Um, and so the idea is this was a, a test monkey that Dexter used or, or still uses, but it's also a superhero. <laughs> now that. All testing proves negative. <laughs> um. And it has these superpowers. It you know it's basically like a mini Superman, but he's also a monkey, so he can't talk, and everyone underestimates him. And there's something so charming about that. Like I don't know about you, but for me, the episode that always does it is a uh, Rasslor, where he's fighting where he's fighting Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh um, my God! Why didn't I watch that? I don't know. Uh, Isn't that the one where he just keeps getting beat up and Macho Man Randy Savage is moved by his champion spirit or something? You can try and cut it in if you can find it, but it's like, I could break every bone in your body, but I can never crush your spirit. Incredible. I could crush your body, I could smash your bones, but I could never break your spirit. You marvel, little monkey. Anyone that could spawn one as noble as you is truly blessed. I spare your earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how many segments Macho Man Randy Savage has squeezed into our podcast. <laughs> this is like the third one. Um, there's also in the um season two finale where they basically fight a godzilla made of axes um I, I don't know if you saw that they like dexter reveals his lab to his parents because he accidentally released a godzilla monster and needs their help to pirate a, pilot a mech oh my god i forgot about that one. and they're losing and monkey just breaks into the center and fuels it like he's the heart oh yeah so stupid Monkey's weird. <laughs> Monkey in and of itself is weird. 
Also, I don't know if you caught this. I mean, you could guess. Zane, who do you think that monkey is voiced by? Well, that's Frank Welker, Ben. <laughs> yes, of course. Did you actually write it down, or are you just guessing? Because um, I think of I course saw you're it. Right. I didn't write it down, but yeah. I think I saw it. Also, come on. <laughs> who, who I could feel it the be? need to point it out every time that it happens. Because <laughs> noted, it's, noted it's fascinating. <laughs> noted animal Frank Welker. I find it fascinating that one guy did every animal for a ten-year period in cartoons. <laughs> Longer than that, I think. Like, he just went around squawking into microphones, and, like, as a paycheck. Like, what the fuck? Man. Um, yeah, yeah, and he has I, this, like, British handler, Agent Honeydew, who can reach yeah, him by telepathy. Yeah, I thought I stepped into Austin Powers real quick. Like, so a weird. lot of, it's like, extra details. Hmm. Like, this segment feels a little padded, because they're trying to make monkey fights a giant thing into mm. a longer-than-two-minute segment. I love how much the people love Monkey. Oh yeah, there's a lot of cheering for him, like, and that's he's, what gets him back up. Like this is right out of the comic book. He's such good books. PR. Is, yeah, yeah, what Zayna? What comic book is this? Because this isn't Superman, really. Like he um, has Superman powers, but it's like it's too campy for most Supermen that I'm familiar with. It is campy. I would guess something from Marvel, just because Gendy, you know, his other the Justice Friends is based off of the Avengers. Um, and he, he had read those growing up. It's almost like a radio broadcast. Like, do you remember that one uh, episode of Venture Brothers where Captain Sunshine or, uh, uh, shows up? Uh-huh. And then uh, the monarch zaps him with his own energy, and this weird voiceover comes in, and he's like, reacting to the sun's, the same solar <laughs> energy that's, that fuels his powers. Yes. Captain Sunshine becomes energized or something like like really out of place. I'm like, I don't know if you meant to make that? it sound so sexual, but <laughs> becomes energized. Because that's the same cadence that is. you use. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Zane, is that a specific like kind of superhero medium that I'm not familiar with? Because I really that's think what this feels like. I really think it's just more of Gendy's adaptation of genres for his own ends. This mm-hmm. this is the radio broadcasting sort of thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm surprised by how many times when something shows up in our podcast research and it's very campy, I'm pretty into it <laughs> because it it was kind of like a mar a, a black mark for a long time, wasn't it? What? Camp? It was sort of a scarlet letter to have something be campy. It meant it was shit. Right, right. So like, it's kitty stuff. Yeah, it's kitty stuff, but but now it's all like anything that's campy is just referencing referencing campy. I don't know if there's actually anything intrinsically useful in we, there. We, we've hit an irony loop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we've gotten to the point where we can appreciate something that referenced something that didn't deserve appreciation. Uh, that's so nuts. But uh, but I but I like Monkey. Um, but I think he works better as an additive to one of the other segments rather than as a segment in his own right. I think that like I'm pumped. To, I'm pumped fine. to see him whenever he shows yeah. up, but he lasts a bit no. longer when the focus is not entirely on him because he he can't like ground. He a can't show. sustain it. No, no, he can't sustain like more than three minutes at a time. Like he, there was an episode where Mandark had an evil duck that he did the same thing to, and they had a battle, and it just went on for way longer than it could. You know? Yeah, I intentionally avoided that one actually. Really? Yeah, for that reason. Hmm. I mean, it wasn't bad. It just like wasn't. It wasn't that monkey stuff that I love. 
and love that monkey stuff. Love that monkey stuff. Zane, uh, what I, else do we have? I was much more into the Justice Friends, which is the Avenger parodies, and it's just them living together. <laughs> the Justice Friends, three of Earth's mightiest heroes, joining forces under one roof to face the challenge of everyday life. Major Glory, Val Hallen, and the impregnable Crunk in the Justice Friends. With a yeah, laugh it's, track? It's the, super, it's the Super Friends meet Friends. <laughs> like, in, like the two of those shows yeah. together. So you've got, you know, Captain America, Thor, and the Hulk, except it's, what, Major Glory, Val Halen, and the Infragable Crunk? The Infragable Crunk, that... Pure poetry, Zane. And I'm Infragable. sure you just cut in the theme song. It's this is also very campy and clearly yeah. defined genre that they're toying with the conventions of. Mm-hmm. And it is toying. It's not making fun of. Yeah, but the but like, just the, it's, the it's laugh too... track and using superpowers for normal situations. This felt the like idea a couple of adding. Sketch. Yeah, and this it's funny because like this is like maybe the one use. Uh, this is like one of it's like the one proper use of a laugh track which is uh. to remind us of how stupid laugh tracks are <laughs> while also looking at something that we like yeah um no i Did i, I like favorite one i like the different superheroes in the same way that i like the ones that showed up on harvey birdman because it's clear like these are all based on something i'm familiar with but something's a little different like capital g who is <laughs> like a black guy that grows really tall Oh geez, yeah. So it's like that's G. Um, yeah, that's something. <laughs> uh, who else were there? Were a bunch of them. I only saw one of those episodes, but like there was Silver Bullet or something like that. And he was like a Flash kind of thing. Uh huh. Shaped like uh, a bullet. Shaped like a bullet. I I don't remember, man. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> those episodes are. I think I liked Monkey Dialem for Monkey a little bit more. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I didn't dislike the Justice. I'm. I don't. I didn't particularly like uh, the Infragable Crunk or uh, Val Halen. I love Major Glory. Major Glory is the best. Or he's just practicing the Pledge of Allegiance to himself in the mirror. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, like I, I have slaved over a hot griddle all day to give this once in a month all American breakfast for you, and this is the thanks I get. And he's got, like, strawberries and blueberries laid out, like the American flag. I'm like, oh, man, you're so into your own bit. It's so great. <laughs> he's committing way harder. I know. I, I think it's good, though. And they also and have these, like, weird little comedy intermissions as well. So this is weird, because in the mini-segment The Justice Friends, they watch TV, and we watch The Puppet Pals... Papa Pal Clem and Papa Pal Mitch, one of whom was Rob Paulson, I believe. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think Major Glory was as well. <laughs> oh, that's that makes a lot of sense. That may be why I like him so much. So yeah, like this this just plays into the idea that Gendy Tartakovsky had a lot of ideas and he insisted on using all of them. <laughs> probably not even all of them. Probably just like the ones that they let him use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's not just Puppet Pals. There's other comedy intermissions as well. Like, um, uh, it'll just be, like, it'll be, like, quickies. It'll be, like, the little quickies that happen in Garfield and Friends. Except way better. 
Well, oh, absolutely way better, but not like the quickies were actually probably the best part of Garfield and Friends because it meant that we didn't have to watch for a long time. Right. But these are actually pretty good. Um, I, I don't even know if they're that much better. They're just like little throwaway gags before they're willing to do another episode for us. Uh-huh. Um, so like it'll be Dexter walks up. Dee Dee's like, Dexter, what's that? Points to his shirt, flicks him in the nose. He's like, very funny. Dexter, what's that? Does it again. Will you cut it out? Okay. Dexter, what's that? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not falling for that again. And he's closed his eyes, and there's, like, this giant mutated bug on his face that's, like, the size of his whole head that's just, like, chittering and, like, skittering I, back and forth and gnashing its mandibles. I like, he's got to at least feel that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, it just, like, lets us watch the thing, like, just kind of chitter and just, like, re- like behave on Dexter's face for a minute, and then the thing's over. Yeah. Nice little four-panel four panel thing. It is exactly four panels. And again, a really good place for the sound design to lend a lot of humor. Because mm-hmm. they just, like, let the thing crawl around and, like, gnash its things for a little bit. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, so I really like those comedy intermissions. I thought they were really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all around good show. I went back and I was expecting that it wouldn't be as good. It is just as good as I remember. It is better than I remember. It's not as deep. Like it's it it's not as deep as I was hoping it would be. Whenever I go back to these old shows, I really hope that there's like a central message or a core theme. There's not. Like this is what you see is what you get with Dexter's Lab, but yeah. what you get is pristine. You know, I came at it a little younger than you and I think I was just interested in the spectacle of it, but like I get it now. I mean, a lot of it was spectacle. So, you know, you're not incorrect. I'm not incorrect. Um, yeah. Yeah. What would you say it is that you get about it? Just the, the structure and the choices they make and how they add to the whole and the idea that there are yet more choices they made that I don't realize that are still affecting me. Like, I, I love that idea, like, I'm learning but still do not see the whole. I, uh, yeah, it, it's not a deep show in, like, it's message but it's a deep show in its construction like there's a lot of moving parts that had to be arranged just so to make us laugh which is what they were trying to do mm-hmm. um i came back at it and was sh- pleasantly surprised by how much i like the character Dee. um i yeah. feel like these these like female secondary like right and the, there's like a precedent in our podcast for like the female secondary character being pretty awful like there's Penny from Chalk Zone. I can't think of other examples. Penny from Inspector Kim- Gadget. Kimiko from Shaolin Showdown. Like, there's precedence for these, like, kind of supposed to be annoying characters being annoying. annoying. And this one, this <laughs> and one was characters. just very appropriate. I really liked. I really liked what Dee Dee brought to the table. Yeah, additive. Did you have anything that you wanted to say specifically about the Dexter's Lab movie Ego Trip? Um, there's just some great moments. Like, that's the thing. I remember a lot of specific great moments. Yeah, that's a great point. Because, and we're talking about, like... In the show the as well. Of the, show, the purpose of the show is to make comedy happen from this setting. And what you get out of it is those great moments. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I interrupted and they you, don't but I think that's what we have to be the toward. funniest or best constructed jokes for them to be memorable and really neat. Like in that episode where 
he can't ride on the uh, roller coaster and his dad just keeps on re- repeating like we're here for family fun like why is that funny i don't know but i remember <laughs> it and think about it probably every month <laughs> and the ticket then. holder is like okay i'm gonna try to explain this very clearly for you so that you, you can't know, explain no that joke <laughs> yeah i know um in ego trip itself i love the dexter versus mandark 4v4 battle yeah that one's really good that like that felt very like well scripted it well choreographed like you knew where everybody was i i, I love any sort of like superhero versus super villain matchup and they're oh they're losing but then they just switch targets and they all it's just it's very yeah it's tried and true i mean they classy. didn't quite do that they were like equal but opposite yeah so like evil fat future man dark had all the tech on his side but you know good future badass like action hank dexter was like really acrobatic and could and could actually yeah like, they, they it just was, like, tried proper, harder it's like a proper action hero fight and then there's a slap fight on the lower end and then old dexter and old man dark are just like calling each other names with yeah. increasing severity and <laughs> consternation yeah uh which again is a very nice moment because it's very like it's like funny in how still stupid it is and i don't know just just the impressiveness of fitting in a stable time loop and multiple time travel trips and four characters that are the same character in 45 minutes and again i can't get over how they say it multiple times in the in the in the movie the only reason dexter is going to the future is because he wants to find out how cool he is yeah (laughs) and i'm not paraphrasing that he says that line let's go find out how cool we are and like he goes into the future and he's like oh i'm not cool here let's both go to the future oh damn it i i went too far i'm not cool again (laughs) (laughs) and then he goes to just the right time and they're all impressed with how bald his head is (laughs) how rugged he is dome he's so rugged (laughs) yeah and, Do you have uh, any favorite episodes? I mean, Beard to be Feared. Beard to be Feared is really solid. Uh, I like that one where that um, you know Willy Wonka esque one where he meets Stephen Hawking and they do a I don't know how to describe it a song about using science to overthrow the nature of reality. And I don't then, remember that. And then they free Stephen Hawking from his robot prison. He's like, I'm going to become a dancer. <laughs> weird shit Wait, I, ben i sort of do remember this now that you mentioned Show's it. full of weird shit but it's so good i don't know why I, uh i like the muffin king episode which is all about dexter's dad having like a heroin like addiction to muffins yeah that's right yep yeah all right well anyway l- listen uh i i think i want to point out like audience i wasn't super focused for this episode and it's like pretty important as like a standard in the history of cartoon networks like prime programming programming block so i'm sorry if i didn't perform adequately like i didn't give this show the treatment that it yeah. may have deserved i mean i think it's just you know i don't know if we need to apologize for it but when we do this show Sometimes there's shows that we remember fondly or remember poorly. This is one of those rare occasions where we remembered it being really good 
and it is really good and if you don't want to hear an hour and a half of us just saying that again and again in different ways (laughs) you're gonna have to go back in time (laughs) right far enough so that you're cool but not so far that you became uncool again right not so far that you don't remember about the carton cast but before this episode god forbid yes (laughs) uh yeah and that is dexter's laboratory yes uh again i wish we could have done a sketch involving dexter's crabratory where he becomes a salesman at a crab restaurant but you know whatever ben Ben comes up to me he's like i got three bad ideas (laughs) each one with increasing absurdity each one's crazier than the the last Mm. um and I'm looking right. forward to see what we come up with uh, for next times, which is the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, uh, and we have a guest on that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from uh, the What's With You Scooby-Doo podcast. So that nice. is that is confirmed, and hopefully that goes according to plan. Branching out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I don't remember this show very well. I've been wanting to look at Scooby-Doo again. Yeah, I, in, in some form. Yeah, I don't exactly. know if it's good or bad that my primary source of Scooby knowledge is the is the um, pup named Scooby Doo one. It's not good. Like that one is definitely does not hold up. Okay, which is unfortunate. Like I thought it was good at the time as well, and I was just like not yeah. very good. I think regular Scooby Doo is going to hold up very well though. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot yeah. of questions for uh, for the uh, our guest, and if you have questions that you would like asked, uh, write write them into us. Yeah, uh, and you can go to do that. You can go to www.cartoncast.com and uh, leave a leave a message or suggest a show or go to our Facebook page and uh, possibly, if you would like to, be very helpful, go to iTunes and give a rating or a review. And more than anything mm. else, just tell your friends about the show if you like it or if you don't like it. Yeah, um, we, we love getting the stress. feedback. Yeah. yeah, and we love getting the hate. Um, I don't know if uh, I, I know that it's, it, I noticed that you glanced right by it. I might not do. We may not, we had decided on maybe doing the show Fruits Basket for our anime because it is something that I haven't looked before looked at before because I didn't want to. Um, but it is a slice of life, and we haven't done one of those before. If I come up with one that I would rather do, then maybe that'll happen, or I might just not do an anime entirely. But yeah, ten- that tentative that, and if one. you want to cut out the title of that anyway, that that could also be good. The title of what? Of of the anime when you said it, just bleep over nah. it. Nah, I don't care. Okay, great. Tas- Tasmania, de- Zane. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's true. It's all it's all good. All right, man. All right. Well, um, yeah. Um, and yeah. until next time, get out get of out my of laboratory. laboratory. Yeah. Okay. Beat to well, it. We both got there. We both got there at the same time. I got there There's- a little before you. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Yeah. How dare you be that's my right. rival in getting people out of my laboratory? I, I didn't. I didn't know that's what that button did. <laughs> There's All only right. one right. button. That, that, that's where we can leave it. Here comes inspiration. When my music meets your science, they're the biggest of the giants, and they'll solve all the problems and throw their troubles away. Yeah, yeah. When you take the math, you know, next to do, re, mi, fa, so, you can mix them all around and you got some music to play. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow.
is a brighter day if we work together. Together we can pave the way, it'll last forever. Just open your heart, unlock that prison deep down in your mind. Step up to your console, create some music, and breathe in the good sunshine. Oh! <gasps>